Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossat, managing editor of Fightful.com and FightfulMMA.com. Also, FightfulSelect.com. This show will be brought to you ad-read free by FightfulSelect.com. Head over there. We have tons of exclusive podcasts. Nothing that was on Fightful.com a month ago uh, will be there. It's all brand new content, a lot of weekly podcasts, a lot of uh, retro podcasts, cool stuff like that. Just give it a glance. Maybe you'll be into it. I'm riding solo tonight. James Lynch is at UFC 223. Showdown Joe is traveling back from Florida, I believe, calling a Titan FC show. Who boy. UFC 223. After all the mess, I did a, I did a quote-unquote breaking news podcast on Friday afternoon about this, every, everything that unfolded this week. Had a lot of people asking me Thursday, Oh, you're going to do one on the the bus thing. You're going to do one on this. You're going to do one on that. I said, no, I think I'll wait until after (laughs) weigh-ins just to see, just to, just to see the dominoes fall. The dominoes didn't fall. Uh, Conor McGregor and the New York state athletic commission walked into the playroom and kicked the dominoes over. Jeez. Let's talk about this show, this nine fight show. Jeez, man. I'll get in what I can. <coughs> we had uh, Devin Clark defeating Mike Rodriguez via unanimous decision. This is pretty one-sided. Uh, Devin Clark just uh, controlled the fight. Uh, Fightful had it scored 30-27 for him. This fight on on any other show, it, it'd be a fine addition and stuff. But given all the things that happened this week, I just I was just ready. 
I was just ready to get into the fights with like Dunham and Mercier. And I wanted to see Zabit fight. I wanted to see how Joe Lozon looked. I wanted to see a top 15 fight between Moicano and Qatar. And this fight was just there. And and the placement on it, it was on the Fox Sports 1 show. But for me, uh, having that NXT TakeOver show going right up against it, it can be tough. A lot of people ask me about the Conor McGregor in the crowd. I'll have to look up on that because, I mean, that the barstool footage was very, very dark. Couldn't really tell. But uh, Devin Clark against Mike Rodriguez. Devin Clark, uh, it was a good win for him, one that he needed. He uh, lost his first fight in the UFC, came back one, two in a row, lost to Blahovich, who is on a roll, and he lost to Blahovich in Poland, too. But now he's won three out of four in that, that UFC light heavyweight division, and that's a good place for him to be. Uh, four, he didn't start off well against Alex Nicholson at middleweight. He stopped cutting all the extra weight, and since then he's 3-1 and one at light heavyweight. That's good. Seems like uh, he made the right adjustment for him. Ashley Evan Smith defeated Beck Rawlings. This was another fairly one-sided fight, and Beck Rawlings, she was a big, big 115, and she's likely going to get canned after this. She's 7-8 and eight in the UFC now, 7-9 and nine if you include the ultimate, or 7-8 and eight in MMA. She is, I think, 2-5 and five in the UFC, 2-6 and six if you include tough including 0-2 at flyweight, so that's not very good, and I thought that, that Ashley Evans-Smith did a pretty good job picking Rawlings apart. Ashley Evans-Smith was the loser of this fight, was probably getting cut. That's just the way that this fight was constructed because uh, Evans-Smith had lost two in a row as well. She was only 6-3, and three, one of those women that just hasn't fought a lot, and uh, she's fought a lot over the last year. She, it's her third fight in a year, but she took... I feel like a year and a half off or maybe like 15, 16 months after the the bulldog choke that Pennington got her with because she tested positive for something. So I know she had a a lengthy suspension, but she came back and she beat Mary and Renault. And that's a hell of a win to have. But uh, she she has settled into this new division. And I'm excited to see what she can do with this division because as she said in an interview with Fightful.com, she was a bit of a hefty Hefty uh, 135 or so. 125 seems to suit her much better. And she talked some trash about Beck Rawlings before this fight. In fact, she talked trash about Beck Rawlings talking trash and said, I don't think she can back it up sometimes. And I'm thinking, word? You're talking trash. But that's a good interview worth going out of your way to see. Said that she didn't think that that uh, Beck Rawlings was a good role model in the MMA world. So she was very outspoken about that. Up next, whoo boy, <laughs> Olivier Aubin Mercier defeated Evan Dunham, the once undefeatable Evan Dunham, as they called him. I would imagine that Aubin Mercier gets that spot in the rankings where, where Dunham sits right now. Aubin Mercier is now, uh, he's won four uh, fights in a row. This was his first finish since uh, 2016 because he went to a split decision with Tony Martin, but now he's won seven of eight. And that win over Evan Dunham was the one that he needed. Now, Evan Dunham is is a little bit older, but Evan Dunham is also on a five-fight unbeaten streak. He he went to a draw with Benil Dariush in October. And I feel like we have watched... 
this this hasn't been an exciting run for Evan Dunham. Uh, we're not going to pretend like it has been, despite his victories over uh, Pearson, Lozon, Glenn. He's been he's went to decision against all of them. The Glenn fight was fantastic, though. That was the one in September 2016 on the Poirier Johnson fight. But after that, it was majority decision draw, and Oliver uh, Aben Mercier just took him to task. Pressed hard, got inside, folded Dunham over with a knee, and then just cracked him to finish it off. So I would look for Aubin Mercier to debut in that top 15. And the top 15 in the UFC lightweight division is a good damn place to be because as we saw on this show, it can get you a title fight. You just never know how things will unfold with the different personalities, the different issues, and all this crazy stuff. We have people questioning Habib's striking and stuff. We're going to get to that because it's something that you've heard me bring up on the Tuesday Holy Smokes MMA podcast with Showdown Joe a former World MMA Award-nominated Journalist of the Year in Showdown Joe. Tune in Tuesdays, 3 p.m. Eastern. Carolina Kovalkiewicz against Felice Herrig. Kovalkiewicz would take this by split decision. Kovalkiewicz needed this win. And all the dominoes, we'll keep on the domino theme. All the dominoes fell in the right place for her to get a championship fight. That doesn't often happen when you lose a championship fight. You don't fight for six, seven months, then you come back and you lose to a top contender again. But Kovalkiewicz holds a win over one Rose Namajunas, which we will speak about later, and has won two in a row now. I, okay, I, I enjoy Felice Herrig's work. I love the way that she reinvented herself after the Paige Van Zant loss, and she came back. I believe it's she and Paige Van Zant fight today. Felice Herrig beats Paige Van Zant. Herrig was real close to getting a title shot, but couldn't get it done. Kovalkovich is just, a, quite frankly, a better fighter. But I think that that a Felice Herrig showed that she belongs in that top 10. She's not a pretender there. She she I thought she stole the, the third round. She she won it. She she did what she could. She adjusted, uh, but I didn't think that Trevor Whitman. I think it was Trevor Whitman in her corner didn't give her very good advice. And when Herrig cracked Kovalkovich, she pressed her pressed Kovalkovich up against the cage. Like, come on, man. Why, why does that always happen? That's got to be emulated in a pro wrestling fight soon where a fighter gets absolutely cracked with like a big kick. And instead of capitalizing, they lock him in a chin lock or something like that. Come on, man. Felice Herrick knows better than that. She's not new to the game, man. She is a veteran. She's been fighting since 09. I mean, really, she, and she's been kickboxing since like 05. Thing is, though, she doesn't finish a lot of women. She finished Kaylin Curran, shocker. She finished Felice Her- or Ellis, yeah, okay. Other than that, Felice Herrick hasn't finished anybody in seven years. Hasn't TKO'd, has TKO'd one opponent in her 20-plus fights. And it's coming from somebody with a kickboxer and, and that is a kickboxer. And even in kickboxing, she didn't finish anybody. So that's the thing. I think that Herrig relies on, on her conditioning and her – she's a physical specimen. And she is able to bully some people around. But I think she relies on that instead of having that killer instinct that I know she can employ. When she gets aggressive, she gets good. Chris Grutzmacher defeats Joe Lozon. I thought the loser of this fight 
Well, okay, I don't want to say that. I thought if Grootsmacher lost, he was gone out of the UFC. Joe Lozon isn't. I want to give Joe Lozon's corner credit. That first round was competitive. But in the second round, Joe Lozon got cracked. I have never seen Joe Lozon this slow. I have never seen Joe Lozon abandon his technique like this. It was sad to watch unfold in front of my face. And Lozon's a 33-year-old man. Lozon is a year older than me. And I would like to think I have all my wits about me. However, am I going to react as quickly as Lozon even in a fight, even though I don't have all the cage miles on me? Hell no. I'd have got my ass kicked 10 times as bad as him. But that being said, you you all haven't seen me fought, fight 20 times over the last 10 years. And like we see what Joe Lozon used to be. And he was never a top flight guy. He's one time in his career he won three fights in a row in the UFC. One time. And that was that was his first three fights. Other than that, it's been win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, lose two, win two. He's lost three in a row. And it's gotten a little bit worse each time. I would say this one's even worse than the Guida loss because the Guida loss, while it was quick, we didn't get to see the way that Lozon devolved throughout the second round in the Guida fight. So I thought I think this is a little more telling because you saw the reflexes go. The Stevie Ray one was a majority decision. And he he beat Marcin Held by split decision and lost to Jim Miller via split decision. The last time I've seen Joe Lozon look real good was UFC 200. Although that fight against Jim Miller was really good. So Grootsmacher kept himself alive. It's just, man... It's weird knowing that Joe Lozon is 33, but Tony Ferguson's 34, (laughs) right? Because the next time we see Tony Ferguson, he might be 35, and he'll be light years ahead of Joe Lozon. But Joe Lozon, man, he has been in the UFC since 2006. Think about that. If you're you're one of the Fightful.com crossover fans, think about what was happening in 2006. CM Punk had just debuted on WWE TV. In September of 2006. Nobody knew what a Seamus was back then. Huh? Kofi Kingston was not around back then. Joe Lozon was. And he fought in the WFL before that. And he was on Tough. And um, gosh, I think, I can't remember what season it was. Yikes. Sad to see Joe Lozon take that beating. Zabit, I'm not going to pretend that I can pronounce his last name, against Kyle Boschniak. Russian Abraham Lincoln is who Zabit is. This fight ruled. It was fantastic. It was great. A-plus fight. Uh, Kyle Boschniak did not get the respect he deserved going into this fight. If you all want to see a cool interview... Head over to Fightful.com. James Lynch uh, played, I think, Street Fighter with Kyle Boschniak. I explained this on the, the Breaking News pod, and we like to be very transparent about our work here at Fightful.com. Obviously, our bread is buttered with pro wrestling, but we love MMA. We're bringing you the post shows. We're bringing you the coverage, all that good stuff. We were approved for credentials for two events last year. Covered them, did great stuff. We probably got... And we probably do the second most interviews than any website 
online because of James Lynch. James Lynch does the second most interviews. And uh, we get about a third of his interviews. So if we got all of his interviews, it wouldn't even be close. MMA fighting is the only one that does more, I would estimate. Uh, maybe there's another that's up there, but we're still trying to make our name in that regard. When UFC was asked about credentials, they said, oh, James, apply under this other place because you'll get approved then because they didn't want to approve us. I got the numbers based on somebody who was in the know, and <laughs> we do like eight to ten times the traffic of that place. I was like, okay, whatever, no big deal. They still have a stigma, uh, and this is a fairly new site too, and we are too. But then last week they used a quote from our pros pick videos that James did from Israel Adesanya where he predicted the winner of the Habib and then Tony Ferguson fight. Now the thing about that is I never transcribed that. Usually it's me or, J- or David Tease transcribing James's interviews. They had to sit through our podcast or watch the pros pick videos, and then they credited Fightful.com after they declined our credentials. That's odd. That's odd. Oh, well. Every other company in the world approves this. No big deal. The beaten Kyle Boschniak fight ruled. Nine fight card, only two stoppages. And uh, I forgot to mention, Joe Lozon's corner called a stop to that fight. A plus Joe Lozon's corner. Mad respect to you guys. You care about your fighter. You've seen him fight since 2006, too, and you didn't want him to take unnecessary damage. The man's making pretty good money. It's funny because Joe Lozon is one of the few guys when James Lynch will ask about, well, hey, would you think about going into pro wrestling? He was one of the few people that's like, nah, not interested. Because, I mean, I think he knows that he wouldn't necessarily work in a pro wrestling setting, but also he's making like six figures every fight he does between Reebok outfitting and bonuses and... (laughs) <laughs> and his his base pay, he's making some decent money because he's been there so long. That's what that that longevity gets you, and I'm sure he'll get another fight. Boshniak, I thought, brought the fight to Zabit, and Zabit overmatched Boshniak. Zabit, man, he's a huge 145er. He's six foot one with a 73 inch reach. Trains with. Dag fighter, Ricardo Almeida, Nick Catone. I know, I think he's relocated to New Jersey. Just a 27 year old, uh, 15 and one badass who goes in there and puts the pain on people. And he does finish people. Every, all but two of his wins had been decisions. And Boshniak came in as an incredible underdog and had alternated wins and losses throughout his UFC career. Wasn't uh, he's not been a finisher in his UFC career? Spent his uh, career in CA, CES before that, which I think is a pretty reputable promotion. But Boshniak at one point dropped his hands and just tried to slug it out with with Zabit. Zabit had some very cool foot sweeps. <laughs> Russians, man, they got that stuff on lock. But Zabit um, is just. He's one to look out for. He's one I have my my eyes on right now. And I think that uh, I think he's going to develop. I mean, he already is a pretty big prospect. He's won three in a row. And he's he's only fought there since September 2017. He was a former ACB featherweight champion. ACB, another good promotion. They're just signing up everybody that's out there. So Zabit, one, I definitely, uh, I think is going to, 
just I think oh man and that 145 division too keep your keep your eye on the guy up next Moicano and Qatar a top a sneaky top 15 fight didn't realize any one of these playboys were ranked 29 28 30 27 and 30 27 Moicano picks up the win and uh Calvin Qatar also played Mortal Kombat with James Lynch. You can see that at Fightful.com. Moicano moves on to have, he's got one loss in his 14 fights. That was to Brian Ortega. We see what Brian Ortega is doing. That was a fight of the night effort too. So Moicano keeps his name relevant there. And he has went over uh, Jeremy Stevens last year, four and one in the UFC. I would expect him to get a pretty good fight. To be honest with you, I wouldn't mind him getting Zabit. I wouldn't mind that being Zabit's intro to this division. It makes sense. They're they're on the same timetable. They they fought the same length in the cage. Uh, Calvin Qatar, on the other hand, now eighteen and three. He uh, is two and two and one in the UFC. Also has experience in CES. Also check out this. Calvin Qatar fought in Elite XC. This is a pretty decent fight. Uh, nothing nothing that really blew me away. But Moicano backed up Qatar with that nice uppercut and body kick and swung away at Qatar as the as the fight ended. I like that. Uh, Moicano's rights were on point. But every time it seemed like Moicano would get in there, he would he would push Qatar back a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Uh, the uppercuts were really, really on point for Moicano. He went to the body a lot. It, it, it worked for him. Uh, attacked Qatar with a ton of kicks. And Qatar would try to swing away at Moicano, but just couldn't get it done. Let's talk about the fun ones, you guys. Yoana Yanjacek, Rose Namajunas. Rose Namajunas, not only the first woman to beat Rose Namajunas, she is the only woman to beat Rose Namajunas, did it a second time tonight. Rose Namajunas got her leg taken to the tanning bed by Yoana, and Closer than I think. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The, the scorecards indicate I would have it 48 47 
in, in favor of Rose Namajunas. But uh, outclassing Joanna Janjacek isn't something that I ever thought that I would say in uh, in a post fight coverage. This is not a fluke. Any any discussion that this may have been a fluke beforehand, that's out the window now. Rose Namajunas did what Joanna does, man. She went five rounds with uh, arguably one of the best specimens as it pertains to cardio in UFC history. I'd put her up there with, uh, I'd put her up there with Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson in that regard, because the the long game is what uh, what Joanna Janjacek plays. We saw it against Andrade. We saw it against Kavolkovich, Gedalia, Laterno. We saw it against uh, Gedalia the first time. Even in three round fights, we've seen it. I loved Rose's attitude after the fight. She said, I'm just better. And I know a lot of people are still going to doubt that because of the history of Yoada and Jacek and how dominant she was in the UFC women's strawweight division. I mean, think about this. In November, she was looking to break Ronda Rousey's consecutive title defense record. It didn't happen. What scared me about Yoana is, despite being down on the scorecards, as the fight went on, she got progressively more accurate, progressively more active, and progressively like uh, her her strikes had a lot more velocity on them. There were some of those jabs that I saw popping off from Joanna, and I was like, man, you don't see fight finishing jabs a lot or fight finishing straights because a lot of the times when when Joanna comes in with her straights, she'll almost go down with them. And you know, I'm not here to criticize Joanna striking, but they they had a lot more pop in them in the fourth and fifth round, and I think that's. I think she understood that she had to do a little more damage uh, in, in those late rounds. Joanna got busted up. Not something we see a ton of. But uh, New York, not the not the place for Joanna that we once thought it was. She she debuted against Kovalkovich there at 205 and has dropped two straight fights in New York City. Man, she fought three times there too. That's a lot of tax money that she loses out on just to be there. Can Rose move up to Bantamweight realistically? No, not Bantamweight. Uh, maybe Flyweight. Maybe. So let, let's talk about that. Joanna, and, and I made the mistake of putting uh, putting on Twitter, Joanna against Nico Montano. No, uh, Valentina Shevchenko deserves that fight. And then what I would do, assuming Valentina Shevchenko is done pummeling Priscilla Cachuera somewhere, I don't know, maybe Mario Yamasaki hasn't stopped that fight yet. We're we're somewhere in Brazil. Valentina Shevchenko is still pounding away at Priscilla Kishwara. I man, I think that Shevchenko versus Yanjacek, man, give give Joanna a fight at 125 first, like a top 15 fight. Get her cooking. Let let her get used to the division. Let her get used to the weight. She'll be less drawn out. Let me let me look at these rankings. Jessica I, Rachel Ostovich, Montana De La Rosa. Give her one of those girls. Why not? Put it on main event of a FS1, Fox card, whatever. While Shevchenko faces Montano, assuming Shevchenko wins, because there's nothing in the Montano uh, Roxanne fight that indicated to me that Shevchenko should have any trouble. I think Shevchenko versus Joanna Janjacek is a hell of a fight. That is a top flight women's fight, one of the highest level women's fights. I think it's up there with 
Chris Cyborg and Holly Holm as a, a as far as straight technique goes, and Yun Jacek and Rose Namajunas ever. I think it's that good. But like I said, we have to assume that Mario Yamasaki is going to stop this Valentina Shevchenko Priscilla fight by now because it's still going on. It's still going on. <laughs> Rose Namajunas, on the other hand, uh, she could have a date with one Carolina Kavolkovich coming up soon. For all that we know, I mean, it makes sense. Kavolkovich has a win over her. Maybe they don't want to run it back, though. Maybe the UFC isn't interested in that. Maybe they want to give uh, Jessica Andrade a shot. Jessica Andrade, who beat Tisha Torres and beat Gedalia. She had her shot last year. Do you want to give it to Andrade again that soon? Well, I don't know. Maybe you want to bring in some fresh blood, but what fresh blood is there? Can't be Tisha Torres. She just lost. Rose Namajunas has faced, I mean, Carla Esparza owns a win over <laughs> Rose Namajunas too, but that, I thought that went over, I think it was the win over Calvillo was a little bit, it was, it was close. So three out of four for Esparza. There are some options, especially options that have beaten Rose before, mainly Esparza and Kavolkovich, but Andrade is still there and Gedalia is facing Esparza in June. So, if if Esparza can get past Gedalia, then that's go ahead, man. That's a hell of a win for Esparza. I'm surprised she took the fight. Vinny Fernando says Rose has never fought Andrade. How's that not fresh blood? Andrade had a title fight <laughs> last year, so I mean, sometimes they don't like to do that quick turnaround, but sometimes they don't give a damn. It depends on what story they want to tell. Do they want to tell the story of Rose trying to avenge those losses? You remember back in the day when they would bring in like anybody who beat Chuck Liddell or anybody who beat Rampage Jackson. Like they had Rampage uh, fight Marvin Eastman, and you had that one. Main event time: Habib Nurmagomedov against Al Iaquinta. This fight, of course, taking place because Tony Ferguson tripped over a cable, tore his knee. Max Holloway slid in. They had offered the fight to Brian Ortega. He accepted, but. Max Holloway uh, stepped in, and he was deemed unfit to compete Saturday. After he was deemed unfit to compete, they tried to get Anthony Showtime Pettis to fight, a guy who had won two of his last five or seven fights. It's not good, but a former champion. He said, hey, if I am competing in a championship fight in five rounds instead of three, pay me more. UFC said, hashtag nah. Okay, uh, I don't think – I think that Iaquinta is a better challenger than – Pettis, but UFC, you cheap asses. They then wanted to give Paul Felder the fight. Paul Felder, who is ranked number 14 in the Fightful MMA rankings, ranked number 9 in the Fight Matrix analytic-driven rankings, but not in the UFC lightweight rankings because for some reason Alexander Hernandez is and Anthony Pettis is, but Paul Felder isn't. Dumb. And if you saw Habib Nurmagomedov striking tonight, you might think that Paul Felder had a chance, in, especially in round three, four, and five. My God. My God. I've had to say my God an awful lot this week. New York, you fired. Take your asses home. Lame. So Ally Quinta takes the fight. Here's the situation beyond that. They, they offered Dunham the fight, or not Dunham. They offered Felder the fight before because he made the championship weight of 155 pounds. For those of you who don't know, when you fight 
in a championship fight, you have to weigh 155 on the dot or less. In a non-title fight, they give you a half a pound. Ally Quinta weighed in with his underwear on 155.2. In New York, you can show up at the early weigh-ins, and Ally Quinta weighed in at like 8 a.m. You have a three-hour window there where you can show up. But once you've weighed in, you only have another two hours, whether you fail or pass the weigh-in, to weigh in again. So if you weigh in at 8.01, you can't wait until like 10.59 and then do it again. No, you got to weigh back in by 10.01. So by the time all this unfolded, Ally Aquinta didn't know that he would have to cut that 0.2 pounds. So New York wouldn't have recognized him as a champion, but Dana White said that they would. Just a comedy of errors in this situation. Not to mention the Conor McGregor being banned from the arena deal. I covered all that on the Breaking News podcast yesterday. Go check that out. Don't have enough time in the world to talk about that. There's like a seven-hour Ring of Honor card I got to take in tonight. Podcast coming tomorrow afternoon, probably like 2 or 3 p.m. Eastern. I went to get the fight. Whatever. Played out about how you thought it would play out. Ally Quinta keeps a low stance. He uh, keeps a wide stance. He wanted to try to prevent the takedown from Habib, but when Habib clamps down on that ankle, it's like a bear trap. No pun intended because the guy wrestles bears. I get it. Whatever. But then he raises the, the ankle up, puts it on the shoulder, then pushes it straight up. Oh, my God, a work of wrestling art. I feel like Habib is Habib isn't the greatest finisher. We know that. It's been proven over and over again that Habib isn't the best finisher. But the thing is, when he gets on top of you, it's still a finisher because you can get back up. Abel Trujillo's done it a, a bunch of times, and Ally Quinta did it a bunch of times, but you're going right back down. You're going right back down to the ground. He's finished a few people like Daryl Horcher, Michael Johnson, Tavares, Kamal Shaloris, whatever, but... The high-level guys, the top 15 guys, the real top 10 guys, I don't consider Michael Johnson a real top 10 guy. Dos Anjos, Barboza, Iaquinta, he has trouble finishing them. So, <laughs> Habib mauls Ally Iaquinta for two rounds, and including at the end of the second round, he went for a Sulev stretch. You don't know what a Sulev stretch is. Man, a pro wrestler, if, if most pro wrestlers were flexible, then... <laughs> then we would um, see this submission. It is a rear naked knee bar, essentially. You have your hooks in on the back, and you pull on the heel up into a knee bar. Uh, it's there. God, I wish I remembered the name, the first name of the guy, but it's a guy named Sulev who did it, I think, in the UFC. And then Kenny Robertson did it. If you want to see it in execution, type in Kenny Robertson knee bar. It is an absolutely filthy submission, and Habib actually went for it again in the fifth round, I noticed, when he when he took down Iaquinta. In the third round, Habib started to strike with Iaquinta. Now, I didn't know if this was like a Holly Holm thing. When I say a Holly Holm thing, I've often talked about how if you go back and you watch Holly Holm's old fights before she got to Ronda Rousey, it's, ve- it's something very compelling to see. Holly Holm would fight every woman like she was Ronda Rousey. It didn't matter their skill set. She acted like those women were Ronda Rousey. I don't know if she did it subconsciously. I don't know if it was intentional, but I could definitely tell it. And what I mean by that is Holly Holm would avoid the clinch at all costs against some of these absolute scrubs that she would have wrecked in the clinch. 
But if you were in the clinch with Ronda Rousey, you're getting sent ass over tea kettle. So that's not something you would want to prepare for. And Holly Holm had prepared for Ronda Rousey her entire MMA career. Rounds three, four, and five were either Habib getting a little bit tired, or I think him maybe trying to get in some live rounds to prepare for, for a Tony Ferguson or a Conor McGregor. Some of what I saw was problematic. And this, this goes way back to the Michael Johnson fight. We saw Michael Johnson crack Habib Nurmagomedov. Now, you can say that uh, Conor McGregor doesn't have the ground game of an Ally Quinta, and as far as straight wrestling, that, that's true. Ally Quinta has a couple decades of of wrestling experience. Habib Conor isn't that great. I mean, Conor did out wrestle Max Holloway on one knee. Now it was a young Max Holloway, but he still did it, and we've seen the, the leaps that Max Holloway has made in his wrestling game since then. However, a lot of people, they confuse uh, Conor McGregor. They forget because he's not that active in MMA that he is a a dangerously precise striker. He is extremely accurate. He is extremely quick. And my God, is he powerful. He is as powerful of a 155er as we've ever seen. And I get the feeling that if he had five cracks at Habib Nurmagomedov like this, with Habib's head straight up in the air, that could be trouble. I would like to say the same for Tony Ferguson, but let's be honest, Tony Ferguson is not as much of a power striker as Conor McGregor. He is nowhere near as accurate as Conor McGregor. He's a little bit wilder. He's not as technical. He's more of a total package. The last time we've seen Tony Ferguson knock somebody out was Kikuno back in 2014. And he did it with regularity before that, but since then... He's rounded out his game. He puts on a lot of just exciting fights. He he submits people. That being said, I think that Conor McGregor is a much worse matchup for Habib Nurmagomedov than even Tony Ferguson. And the reason why I think that is because we look back at the Tony Ferguson fight, and Tony Ferguson was in a little bit of trouble. Like, There's a real part of me that questions whether or not Kevin Lee picks up that win if Kevin Lee didn't have staff on that night. And anybody who watched that fight knows knows exactly what I mean. Kevin Lee took down Tony Ferguson and looked really good on there. And for a guy who had staff, looked really good. Three takedowns in that fight. And if Habib takes you down three times, that that could be rough for you, man. Now, that being said, Tony Ferguson, a much bigger, much bigger threat off of his back. Also, we don't know Conor McGregor, how much he's been training the ground. I know he's been working a lot with Dylan Danis. He always does, but he took a lot of time off. And also, we don't know how training for boxing has affected his striking. Because for all the people that say, oh, people in MMA can't strike, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Boxing striking, MMA striking is a completely different thing. What works in boxing won't always work in MMA and vice versa. You have to worry about takedowns. You have to worry about kicks. You have to worry about a lot more a lot more stuff. That's why you can see a Robert Whitaker get away with his one hand up here, one hand all the way down here, so he can sink in an underhook if somebody steps in on him. That, that's why that happens. And he'll just he'll shift like that in order to slip punches. You see a lot more uh, slipping with your, with your chin down and your shoulders forward as opposed to sometimes in boxing they'll, they'll slip backwards. Because if you do that, you can get off balance in MMA, go hip over hip, uh, foot over foot, and then end up on your ass, hips, back, all that good stuff. 
So I, I can appreciate Habib, whether it be because he was gassed out or whatever, trying to get these rounds in because he was landing jabs almost at will. However, I, I like Quinta was landing shots here and there as well. Not enough to win any round in my estimation, but he landed a few here and there. As far as where Ally Quinta goes from here, uh, maybe he doesn't fight again until 2019. That's what he does. He is doing well in real estate. So he might not need the UFC. This might be a big money fight for him, for all we know. But he, he wasn't that active before this. He fought a year ago against Diego Sanchez. Before that, he hadn't fought in two years. Okay. So two fights in the last three calendar years. Doesn't seem like he needs it that much. So I don't know if he'll even fight next, until next year. Who knows? Now we got the question of what happens to Habib? I know Habib wants to fight GSP. GSP's got colitis, man. He may never fight again. Well, let's look at the options. Conor McGregor. That's the one that stands out. But we, because of what Conor McGregor did this week, we definitely won't know anything until June. Also, Ramadan's next month, so we weren't going to know anything until June anyway. That's why I said if you want to see Habib fight, you better let him fight on this show because Ramadan's next month. And I don't see him making that weight cut again before then. And he's probably he's not going to fight during Ramadan. I don't think he ever has. So Eddie Alvarez is out there, but he has a win over Justin Gaethje, a win over Dustin Poirier, but can you really put him in a title fight? It's it's tough to, because the thing that's going to stick out is the McGregor loss. Uh, Ferguson's hurt, depending on whether he has surgery or if he has rehab. So it's it's tough to say what's going to happen with him. If he has surgery, he's out till 2018. Also, man, him coming back with a surgically repaired knee against Habib, tough. Can't be Barboza, he just lost. Can't be Gaethje, he just lost. He's fighting Poirier. I mean, it could be Poirier. You could do that in the the meantime. Poirier has (laughs) one loss in his last eight fights, and if he beats Gaethje, that's a big one, but I think he could beat Gaethje next week too. Brian Shane says, uh, Alvarez was offered the fight tonight. I know a lot of people were offered the fight tonight. This Habib fight again during International Fight Week. I would be very surprised considering Ramadan is, starts next month. I would be shocked if he fought during International Fight Week. I would expect uh, August, September. Guys, I want to thank you all so much for joining me. Rock this one solo. Did it after an NXT TakeOver uh, <laughs> New Orleans show which was very fun. That podcast is over there. Check it out. Uh, We've got your post-fight press conference coverage over at Fightful MMA on Twitter. If you haven't visited visited us at FightfulMMA.com, go ahead and do it. Uh, Joanna is at the podium saying that she outlanded Rose. She should have not left a fight in the judges' hands and says that this loss is easier to deal with. Says that the weight cut was an issue in her last fight. Also says... Let's see how she is going to walk tomorrow. Eh. She lost that fight. Sorry, Joanna, you lost that fight. Go visit FightfulMMA.com for all your MMA needs. We have 
a lot of exclusives. Uh, Dana White taking the podium now, so head over to Fightful MMA on Twitter. Follow along. Until next time, guys, like, subscribe, thumbs up. Let people know about it. Until next time, we are out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.